Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, April the 12th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we continue working off of yesterday's mock draft and round out the rest of Miami's picks beyond the first round. We'll have another prospect of the day when it comes to the draft, and we'll jump into the Twitter mailbag. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app, on the Apple podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and bang that subscribe button and leave us a rating, leave us a review, and follow me on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. It's the number one blog in the entire LockedOn network. And last but not least, the other LockedOn sports family of podcasts, where you can get up to date on your team every single day. We have a busy show, as we always do. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. So going back to yesterday's podcast on the Thursday, April the 11th podcast, you guys heard my mock draft where I played out the scenario that lays in front of the Dolphins at pick number 13. And if you haven't heard it yet, uh, go back and listen to it, because until then, you're dead to me. In all seriousness, we traded back to number 18 with the Minnesota Vikings and picked up pick number 81 in the third round and traded back again to 23 with the Houston Texans and picked up pick number 86 also in the third round. And you might prefer to do that just one time with Houston and get their second round draft pick. But if you really want the extra pick in the second round, you can move up into the second round and package these two third round picks together. That's fine either way. But we go back step by step, get two third round picks. And that puts us on the clock after we selected our right tackle for the next decade to pair with Laramie Tunzel with Dalton Reisner. Now, again, he also plays center and can do both at a high level. I broke down his game on yesterday's podcast, so we won't go back over that again. Let's go ahead and jump forward as we're back on the clock here with pick number four. 48 on Friday night and with that pick in this mock draft the Dolphins select offensive guard from Boston College Chris Lindstrom he has had three visits with the Dolphins so far Daniel Jeremiah during the combine talked about after he ran his 40-yard dash how he should just run up the tunnel and go to New England in the second round because he's a perfect Patriot well you know what those perfect Patriots are now perfect Dolphins too I loved him at the Senior Bowl. Just like Reisner, he dominated those pit drills, the one-on-one drills with everybody watching, beating his chest, that whole fun thing. He's a leader. He can play with power and athleticism. And the offensive line now is just about fixed with these first two picks, Lindstrom and Reisner, your right tackle and left guard or right guard going forward into the future. And we come back into the third round at pick number 79. And I finally get my safety, Darnell Savage out of Maryland. He has that alpha mentality we've talked about with Jonathan Abram, a temperature changer in your locker room on the practice field on game day. He can set the tone of your defense. He can play center field and cover. He has the ball skills and tracking back in that deep end, which is something Brian Flores is a big, big proponent of. And he tackles another huge element of Dolphins defensive backs going forward. 
And the best of all, it gets you all off of my back about my love for safeties because I didn't spend a first round or second round draft pick. I waited until the third round, even though this team does have a dire need for safeties in the future. Of course, all of this is in jest, but pick number 79 in the third round, Darnell Savage out of Maryland. We come back two picks later with the pick from the Vikings, Tristan Hill, defensive tackle out of UCF. He's been to Miami for a visit. He was criminally misused and underused at Central Florida. He showed out big time at the combine with his movement skills and the tape shows an explosive interior presence on that defensive line. And at pick number 86, just five more picks down the line. Dolphins going bang, bang, bang here in the third round. A defensive lineman once again, Zach Allen out of Boston College, a teammate of Chris Lindstrom, the defensive captain of that team. His mom was a Dolphins cheerleader back in the past, which is crazy to say. He has had so many awards and scholastic and humanitarian type of awards bestowed upon him. A great human being, a great football player. He's a technician, a base five technique defensive end. He's kind of a consolation for Chase Winovich, who I'm almost certain at this point, Winovich goes off the board in round number one. And frankly, he's my 1B, maybe even my 1A in that trade back scenario that doesn't involve safeties to Dalton Reisner. So Zach Allen, 86, comes off the board here to the Dolphins. Pick number 117 in the fourth round, a pick I have been making over and over and over again. Running back James Williams out of Washington State University. You guys know by now that he led college football in catches for running backs. He can run every single route out of the backfield. He's intelligent. He can pass protect. And he's also a slippery runner in the running game too. And then we go back to the offensive line with pick 152 in the fifth round and scoop up the Georgia center, Lamont Gilliard. Now, I think this is way too low for him, but just about every single draft publication out there is low on Gilliard. And I don't quite understand why, because he can get out in space. He can play with power. He's a fluid mover. I just think he'd be an excellent option to compete with Dan Kilgore, probably even higher up at that 117 pick, or maybe even in the third round. But if he's here at this point, like everybody seems to project him, I'm going to take him and have him compete with Kilgore for the starting center job on opening day and hopefully seize that job by the latest in 2020. And then we have to wait until the seventh round because the Ryan Tannehill trade cost the Dolphins the sixth round pick. We have two picks back to back here. The first one, I'm taking quarterback out of Washington State once again, Gardner Minshew, for the sole purpose of developing him to be my backup quarterback. He has that infectious personality, can rally a team around him when he comes off the bench. I think that is a huge, huge factor for a backup quarterback. He can take this year, learn under Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then take the backup job either in 2020 or 2021. Just depends when Ryan Fitzpatrick leaves. And then the next pick, 236 overall, wide receiver Penny Hart out of Georgia State, the same school as Albert Wilson. Yes, he is another pocket size receiver, but I think he can run all three positions on the offense and gives you value that way as well as on special teams and he basically cost himself to be a chance to be drafted much higher than this with a poor offseason of workouts and, and pro days and combine stuff and all that fun stuff but I'll take a flyer here on Penny Hart one of my favorite players going back to the senior bowl he looked very good there so there is your damn meat and potatoes draft you wanted it you got it and frankly I'm quite a fan of it as well. So mock draft out here, number, what is it, six or seven or eight by this point. I'll have a finalized one for you guys before the draft, my complete written up piece, in-depth researched, all that fun stuff. Probably on the day of the draft, maybe the Wednesday before the draft. 
And speaking of mock drafts, Gabe Harai from our Locked On Dolphins website, he posted a story up on LockedOnDolphins.com about this mock draft that CBS Sports ran, and it was very extensive with tradebacks and all that fun stuff. It also involved trading Solomon Thomas to the Dolphins for Rashad Jones, which to me makes a lot of sense, even though I'm sure Miami's going to have to eat some of the money on Jones' salary to make that trade happen. And when the 49ers draft Nick Bosa, it certainly makes Solomon Thomas more expendable rather. So I think that deal and that mock draft makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins. Go check it out up on LockedOnDolphins.com. This is the calm before the storm right now as the next couple of weeks are going to be very content heavy. We have Kevin Dern's front seven piece right now up live on LockedOnDolphins.com. His defensive backs piece is coming up next week as well as a podcast with Kevin Dern. And we just might have an entire staff mock draft prior to Thursday's big night here in about 14, 15 days, whatever it is at this point. That is still TBD. And coming up here on the other side of the podcast, we'll get into your questions. Last I checked, we had something like 20 questions in the mailbag. I want to get to as many as I can. We'll do that next on Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. It is Friday here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the April the 12th edition, as we are just 13 days away from the NFL draft. I got my days crossed there in that last segment, and math is hard. I'm not here to give you guys math. I'm here to write and talk about this Miami Dolphins football team and the NFL draft we have coming up in just 13 days. We did the mock draft. Let's go ahead and jump into this Twitter mailbag right here. I think I see 29 questions in there. Probably not going to get to all of them, but we'll go as fast as we can through as many as we can. You guys know the drill by now. I put the call out on Twitter for questions. You respond. You get a Twitter handle shout out on the podcast and the question answered. And we start here with the graphics man for LockedOnDolphins.com, Lee. He is at Lee Top Landing. Do you think if either of the top Michigan guys fall, will Mr. Ross be pushing for them? I'm seeing Gary drop in a lot of mock drafts. And I actually think this is something that we could be a little bit concerned about. Although I do not think Stephen Ross will cross that boundary like we heard him trying to do last season as it were, with Minka Fitzpatrick and wanting to trade back and acquire more picks. I think that's the goal all along this draft. I think they're going to make that their number one priority. And with Winovich, I, I think you're talking about probably Devin Bush and... Rashawn Gary, because I think Chase Winovich will be there later on in the first round. I just don't think either of those guys, whether it's Bush or Gary, make a lot of sense for this Dolphins team. So just go ahead and pass on that. And I do not think Ross will interfere. Next question comes from Zach Pagano. He is at Zach Pagano on Twitter. Your mock has Miami trading down from the pick 18 to two pick 18. And again, to pick 23. If the price is right, do you see a scenario where the Dolphins trade out of the first round completely? 100% yes. This is something that I've seen the Seahawks do. I have a buddy who's a big-time Seahawks fan, as most people out here in the Northwest are. He watches the draft with us every year, and he gets pissed because they never make a pick on the opening night of the draft because they always trade back. But the teams that do that, the Patriots and the Seahawks and sometimes the Ravens, those teams are the ones that are always in the playoffs, always making deep runs because you get yourselves more cracks at the bat, you get yourself more hits that way. And I think that's going to be Miami's new mentality. And this year especially, I think they want as many picks now and in 2020 as they can possibly gather. So 100% yes, I think they will if that opportunity presents itself, Zach. Next question comes from JT Evans at JT underscore Evans. Should Miami focus on a quarterback with upside like a Tyree Jackson or a Jarrett Stidham? 
or somebody poised to be a really good backup to the 2020 quarterback. And again, he uses the example Jarrett Stidham. I think, well, in my mock draft, I put Gardner Minshew in there. So that's kind of my thought right there. I just don't see what the value of taking a quarterback this year is because he's going to wind up being supplanted by whoever gets drafted next season. And I don't think highly of any of these guys enough to put a big target on them. Like Tyree Jackson has so many mechanical issues. Will Greer does not have the arm to play at this level, in my opinion. I think you got a chance for a guy like Brett Rippon, who is a little bit limited physically, but he has the mental processing speed. He'd be my pick for that just because he's the kind of guy that can have success right away. But I think your best option, like you said there, JT, is just to wait and take a take a backseat flyer on a quarterback that is a planned backup quarterback going forward. Next question here comes from Poldy Anslinger. He is at Poldy Anslinger on Twitter. Who do you think are premier trade-down partners for the Dolphins? We talked about them on this podcast. I think the Vikings could come up for an offensive lineman. I think the Texans could come up for a cornerback. I actually just did a podcast with a Lockdown Colts host, and he offered me this year's number, uh, their first round draft pick, number 26 overall. This year's third round draft pick, number 89 overall, and a 2020 second round draft pick. And I said, you got yourself a damn deal there, sir. That's a great trade opportunity. He thinks that Chris Ballard wants to come up and be aggressive because he only believes, like most teams, that there are 14 or 15 blue chip premier types of players in this draft class and he wants one so if the Colts want to do that I think they're a great option as well Kansas City maybe even though they might need to have more of those draft picks but they are all in um, or in that all-in mode rather I can see them coming up so let's go Houston Minnesota Kansas City and Indianapolis as the top four trade down partners next question comes from Justin Holcomb he is at Finsider Hulk do the Finns trade back to stock up on more 2020 picks or picks for this season I I think it just depends on the value that's offered to them. And I think that one of the things they could do to kind of shortcome or to, to shortcut some of that lack of value they might receive is to ask for future picks because they're not urgent right now to go out and make moves and get a winning roster together for this year. And that kind of puts them in an advantage. So if a team wants to offer a third round this year, say, hey, what about a second round draft pick next year? That's trade up ammo in case we don't get the quarterback spot we want to be in. I think they'll put more of an emphasis on picks next year as long as teams are willing to pay a high higher price because of that. Next question here comes from Eugene Gino Cooper. He is at Lead Scout Gino. What makes Josh Jacobs more than two, three rounds more valuable than the majority of the other running backs in this year's draft? That's a fantastic question, Eugene. And something I'll refer back to the Move the Sticks podcast. And Daniel Jeremiah loves Josh Jacobs. And I love what his opinion is on all players because I think he's a great scout. And he talked about how Alabama, they do this every year where they have running backs that kind of get churned out through the process and they'll rotate and use guys effectively. But you always judge the Alabama backs based on who gets the ball in the SEC championship game, in the playoff game, and the national championship game. And every time they went to the running game, it was basically Josh Jacobs because he is in a physical, punishing, abusing runner. He initiates contact. He has the athletic ability to match. He can catch the football. I just think he's a very special back and probably a top 10 or 15 talent who won't go that high. But I think there's a clear, clear cut gap between Jacobs and the rest of the class because he runs with that punishing mentality and can really play at this level, I think, already on day one. Next question here comes from Big Tone. He is at Dolphins Big Tone on Twitter. If the Dolphins trade back with the Raiders for picks 27 and 35, how would you feel about Garrett Bradbury at 27, Chris Lindstrom at 35, Ja'Kai Polite at 48, and Kalen Sanders Saunders rather at 78. That, sir, is a fantastic mock draft. I love Garrett Bradbury. I already took Chris Lindstrom in the mock draft. I talked about Ja'Kai Polite on yesterday's podcast, and Kalen Saunders is a great player on the interior as well. You, sir, just hit a home run in that draft. I give it an A+. 
Next question here comes from Dave Smith. He is at Diamond D Dodger. No, Diamond Dodger. I apologize. Saw the story about Cleveland potentially trading up in the first round with Miami, parting with a two and a three this year and a one next year for our number one. Hard to believe that would be an actual scenario, but wouldn't Miami jump on that trade in about three seconds? I think that means from the second round all the way up to the first round, right? So we're falling out of the first round entirely this year. I'd be on board with that because trading back in general, you're gonna the Dolphins are at that fringe level of blue chip prospects, and I even argue that they're already past that level of the blue chip prospects. So go ahead and sell out and put the focus on next year. That's the plan, right? I'm down for it. I would take it getting the extra first round draft pick for a team that, yeah, they're supposed to be good, but the Browns could be another seven win season. Again, you just never know with teams that haven't proven themselves to be winners. If they falter to seven and nine and pick number 15 next year, and the Dolphins have the third pick and the 15th pick and two second round picks. I mean, yeah, we're cooking with gas in that scenario. So yes, please give me that deal. Next question here comes from hashtag dream is here at Pacific fin fan one. If Murray is on the board after the Raiders pick at four, do you attempt to get a trade with Tampa at five or stay at 13 and move down to 15 and get an extra round two pick hundred percent going up for Kyler Murray. He's not going to get past the first pick, but if he does, and that price begins to dwindle a little bit, I'm giving up this year's first and next year's first and probably some more picks to go get Kyler Murray because the whole entire goal of this entire thing is to find a quarterback. And to me, Kyler Murray is an elite quarterback prospect, a transcendent quarterback prospect. And I would do pretty much whatever it takes to make that happen. The next question here comes from Morgan Lewis at Mo underscore Lou 20. And I already answered this question. He asks about trading back for a second round draft pick rather than doing it twice and getting two third round picks. You can package those picks together and go up if you want to do that. But I do understand your point because you can add that additional second round pick and then use that pick as well to trade back again if you want to. So I get the philosophy, but I kind of covered that in the first segment. So just go back if you haven't heard it already. Next question here comes from Traveron Coleman. He is at T Poppy 2113. 2020 draft question. Does conference make a huge difference if a player is elite in general? I'm perplexed as to why there hasn't been more conversation about Jordan Love. To me, if somebody goes back to the talent level, they're probably not too in tune with what that player is, or they haven't done any scouting, or they just don't care to do the scouting because that's a shortcut of an answer and really kind of a, a BS answer, in my opinion, to discredit a player or to prop a player up. I want to see how that player performs in an isolation series where I'm watching just what he does in his mechanics, the way he carries himself. Is he an effective player? Does he produce in that individual situation? And that takes away the drops and stuff like that from the offensive receiver skill set or sacks allowed from the offensive line where they get beat. And you talk about Jordan Love, that team is going to be brutal this year because they're losing everybody. So you're going to find out how well Jordan Love can mitigate poor protection, poor receiver play, poor offensive coordinator calls possibly. And that's pretty much what he's going to have in the NFL when he comes up to a team drafting in the top five, like possibly the Miami Dolphins. But I do agree with you, Traveron. I think that he is a fantastic looking prospect and might, might even be the most physically gifted prospect of everybody in next year's class. Okay, we're going to step away for one quick break. I hope that guy mowing the lawn next door stops very soon because I have to get this podcast recorded in this window. But we'll come back on the other side of the podcast, answer the rest of your Twitter questions, and get to today's prospect of the day. We'll do that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, on Twitter, at Linkville NFL, and the show, at Lockdown Fins. Promise me. 
my second class of Friday afternoon at Washington State University Tri-Cities was canceled, so I'm going to go see a matinee of the movie Us. I'm very excited. I thought Jordan Peele's directory debut with Get Out was fantastic. I'm even more excited for the movie Us, so I'm checking that out this afternoon, right around drive time for the podcast. Let's go ahead and get back into the podcast for you guys listening on this Friday and get back into the Twitter mailbag. This next question comes from False Hope. He is at 8 and 8 for life, a perfect Dolphins Twitter handle. Do you like the O-line or D-line depth better in the middle rounds of this class and why, of course. That's a tough question because I actually like both of them a lot. The center position to me has two guys in that second round that could be starters immediately in both Eric McCoy from Texas A&M and also Elton Jenkins from Mississippi State. At the guard position, I talked about Chris Lindstrom. I think that it kind of tapers off after that, though. On the defensive line, You've got guys like LJ Collier, Charles Amenahu, Zach Allen I've talked about already. It's pretty even in terms of the top-level talent, but I think there's a little bit more depth there on the defensive line going back into round three and into round four. So I'll go ahead and say defensive line for that reason. Next question here comes from Tone Toto. He is at Tone Lantern. How far does Miami have to trade down to get another first for next year? And congratulations on the wedding. Thank you so much for that. As far as getting the first round draft pick, it's probably going to have to be the very, very back end of the first round, like somebody like Kansas City, or maybe even going out of the first round altogether in the scenario we talked about earlier with the Cleveland Browns. If they go back into the mid to early 20s, it's not going to be a first round pick next year. Next question comes from Melody Mackey at AKA Manimal. All right, been waiting a whole week. Here it is. If you were the Dolphins GM, what would be your draft strategy? Anything and everything goes. Acquire as many picks as you possibly can. Trade back once, trade back again, and then when you're on the clock, try and trade back a third time because they need as many picks as they can. I like the idea of getting as many bodies into camp and going at it that way. That's my approach going forward because, like I've talked about, I just don't think the type of prospect at a position of need for the Dolphins is going to be available at number 13 with great value in terms of somebody you cannot get later on in the draft. Next question here comes from Chris J. Fgrave. He is at CJ Fgrave. JJ developed the point system for draft pick value charts. If you want to add collateral into any draft shenanigans, what points value are Jones, McDonald, and Kiko? Yeah, that's you put a little smiley face in there for a good reason, Chris. I think with Rashad Jones, because of the salary, he's basically a throwaway. I mean, if the Dolphins want to pay for him, I think you probably could get a third or fourth round draft pick if they eat the salary. McDonald, Probably not a whole lot. He's guaranteed money. I would say he's probably a seventh round type of pick. And Kiko, the same thing. If anybody wants him, which I don't think they are because his salary is ridiculous, even more ridiculous than his subpar play on Sundays, then I think it's going to be a seventh round draft pick for him as well. Okay, that's going to be enough of the Twitter questions. I just don't have time to get to the rest of them because I want to go ahead and get into our prospect of the day. And it is Chase Winovich out of Michigan. I talked about him on the podcast already. He and Devin Bush, I think it was, I'm not 100% sure on that. Might have been Rashawn Gary, but I think it was Devin Bush, did the Move the Sticks podcast back in the fall, talking about their Rutgers game, getting prepared for that. He talked about the amount of film they had been watching, both in the classroom, but also on their own, bringing the film back home to watch that, drinking lots of water and Gatorade and fluids and getting themselves ready. Just the way he spoke about his preparation to me sounded like a guy who's preparing at an NFL level. And if they do that in college, I feel comfortable they'll do it at the NFL. He's the kind of player this Dolphin staff and regime is going to want going forward. The motor, the determination to make plays, the pedigree, the work habits, and not to mention his athletic testing was outstanding. 
training, and that corroborates a terrific year of tape for Chase Winovich. I thought he was just a perfect candidate for today's prospect of the day because he's basically the complete opposite of Ja'Kai Polite, who has done everything you can do wrong in the pre-draft process, where Winovich himself has checked every single box. I do think he works his way into the first round. He's a definite, definite option in that first round if the Dolphins trade back a little bit. But that is the end of the prospect of the day. That is the end of the podcast for the day and for the week as I'm going to go ahead and get out of here and wrap things up. We have a Locked On Network mock draft coming, and I'll be honest with you guys, I was not thrilled about the way it played out. Some of the trade offers I made did not get accepted, and I thought they were kind of crazy not to accept them. But nonetheless, it's getting rolled out next week, and yours truly is providing the analysis on the safeties and wide receivers throughout the course of that draft. So check that out. And to pull a Locked On Dolphins podcast up right away, just tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast for your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams every single day. Follow me on Twitter at Linkville NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. I know. Can it be that I hear what he's saying? Is there a reason why I'm still up?